Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations around the country in the areas of board excellence, strategy, and organizational development. I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast. I hope everybody had a safe and meaningful holiday season and a happy new year. Um, certainly want to wish everybody out there the best for 2021. Uh, and we're looking forward to some exciting new episodes of the Nonprofit Vision podcast in 2021. And I can't think of a better way to kick it off um, this year in 2021 than by welcoming a friend and colleague, Nell Edgington, who is the president of Social Velocity to the podcast. And Nell and I are going to be talking about a topic that I know is going to resonate with nonprofit leaders out there, and that is transforming the scarcity mindset that we all have experienced in the nonprofit sector to one of abundance uh, and some tips and tools and strategies to do that. So with that, I want to welcome Nell to the podcast. Welcome, Nell. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate you making time for the conversation today. I know I am familiar with your work, but for those who may not be familiar with your work and Social Velocity, um, give us a brief brief bio, brief introduction. Yeah, absolutely. So I run a company called Social Velocity. It's a management consulting firm for nonprofits and philanthropists. And um, I, the way that I consult with nonprofit and philanthropic leaders is to help them um, think more strategically, more financially sustainably, um, and just move uh, their organizations and their social change work into a higher, more abundant level. Okay, and you're based in Texas, right? I, uh, yes, I live in Austin, Texas, but I work with organizations all across the country. Excellent. Excellent. And what was your background? How did you get into the management consulting field and how did you shape shape the areas that you work in now? So I've been um, with Social Velocity for over 12 years. Um, And prior to that, I worked in all sorts of organizations, nonprofit organizations across the country from PBS, public broadcasting system, to food banks, to literacy organizations, um, you know, all different shapes and sizes, as as I said, all over the country. Um, And I was always fascinated with um, how nonprofits I felt could be doing so much more, you know, they're run by these very visionary, amazing leaders, but um, these leaders are often stuck uh, behind, you know, ineffective boards or, you know, rules and regulations that are very restrictive and, you know, the the ever-present fundraising demon, etc. So I, you know, really felt there was an opportunity to help nonprofit and philanthropic leaders do and be more. Um, And that's why I started uh, Social Velocity to kind of take take that um, the learnings that I had while working you know directly in the sector um, and kind of apply them to to organizations across the board so our primary topic we want to talk about the how to transform um, your organization from having a scarcity mindset to one of abundance just so everybody can be on the same page when we talk about a scarcity mindset in nonprofits what, what are we referring to? Yeah, so the scarcity mindset is is this belief that I think is really ever present in both the nonprofit and philanthropic side of the equation. Even though philanthropists have money, they still often suffer from a scarcity mindset, which is thinking there's not enough. There's not enough money. There are not enough people. There are not enough board members, not enough volunteers, not enough time. Uh, not enough resources to achieve our goals, to achieve, you know, the social change or whatever it is that a nonprofit or a foundation or whatever was set up to achieve. We just don't have enough to do it. And that's essentially what scarcity thinking is. 
and and you and I both come from a nonprofit background, which is one of the reasons why I asked you to join me for this topic. I think there are some very legitimate reasons why that can creep into the culture of nonprofit organizations. Maybe talk a little bit about um, how that how that mindset can creep in both legitimately and then also how we how we put put up some barriers around it. Yeah. So actually, it's funny that you bring that up. That's kind of the first chapter of my book um, is is kind of where why we got to where we are in terms of the the social change sector. And it's it's a lot of it is based on the history of the sector and sort of this, um, you know, going way back to um, the way philanthropy was done, you know, in the 19th century in this country, where it's, you know, business was on one side and all the money was on one side. And then those that wanted to do good, um, you know, the benevolent societies and things like that were sort of given the scraps from the business sector, you know, just sort of the the remnants. Um, So it sort of started in that that history. But then if you look at the regulations and the norms that make up the sector today, they're all, you know, very restrictive, very scarcity-based thinking. If you take the overhead myth, for example, the idea that, you know, nonprofit organizations should only spend, you know, 20% and no more on fundraising and administrative costs. That's a very scarcity-based approach, right? so, so there's just from, you know, from the history to the regulations to the way, you know, the IRS and other um, entities and our norms um, uh, are how we approach the sector and how we approach nonprofits, philanthropy and social change is all very much based in that scarcity thinking. So it's no wonder that nonprofit leaders, you know, sort of embody that. It, it makes total sense. Um, but the argument I make in my book is that we can overcome that. And we actually need to overcome that and move forward into abundance. So before we can overcome that and before we can talk about ways to overcome that, we have to recognize it in our own Absolutely. organizations. And you mentioned one really pronounced obvious example in the nonprofit community, which is the overhead myth. Yeah. Um, for leaders out there who are listening, um, who may not have thought of their mindset as being one of scarcity in the past, what are some other ways that it manifests itself in organizations that we may be aware of or may not be aware of in our daily leadership. Absolutely. So I think the whole way that we approach fundraising is a very scarcity based approach. There's a lot of fear that goes into fundraising, both on boards and in the nonprofit staffs themselves, and even on the funder side. Um, there's a lot of uh, sort of misinformation about how fundraising works or doesn't work, and, and there's a lot of fear around talking about money, asking for money. Um, there's, there's this underlying assumption, again, that there's just not enough money to go around. And so when we are fundraising, we feel like we're fundraising for scraps, that we're just fundraising for pennies and nickels, as opposed to you know, the, the really large investments that it's gonna take to achieve um, a lot of the social change goals that nonprofit leaders are working on. And so I think just the whole concept of money and fundraising and all of that is just a huge element of the scarcity-based approach in the sector. I think you're right on when you think when you talk about how it creeps into our fundraising. Another way that I see it creep into organizations fundraising is not asking for what they truly need, whether it's in a grant application, whether it's from their donors, not including the full array of costs that it takes to run a program, to run an mm-hmm. organization, yep. uh, but asking for only the, the, the minimum amount or I can't Absolutely. imagine this person or this group would ever fund a salary or whatever fund the total cost of our operations. Uh, Absolutely. That's another one. 
Absolutely. And and what you've hit on there is, is what sort of undergirds a lot of the scarcity-based thinking, which is a feeling of unworthiness. That we as nonprofit leaders, or again, as philanthropic leaders, we're not as good as private sector leaders. We're not as smart as, we're not as um, worthy as you know, these other leaders in our, uh, in our communities and in our world. Therefore, we, we shouldn't be asking for as much money. We shouldn't need as much, you know, and so what you're articulating there just in a grant proposal or lots of other ways, we don't feel worthy of what it's truly going to take to achieve our goals. And so right out of the gate, that scarcity thinking is kind of cutting us off from achieving what we want to achieve. So I, what I hear you saying is that there's an element of self-esteem for social sector leaders out there um, to, to begin to build that self-esteem of what they're doing and overcome some of the, the mindset that's out there, also some of the messaging that our leaders get around nonprofits should be run more like a business, which kind of, mm -hmm. which puts them on different planes and different um, pedestals. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, understanding that is, is key for nonprofit leaders also. Absolutely. And it's, I would say it goes well beyond um, self-esteem, although that absolutely is part of it, but a, a recognition, and again, I talk about this in my book, a recognition that all sectors are equal and need to be valued as such, right? We need the private sector. We can't, you know, we, we, there's, there's innovation that happens there. There's, you know, all kinds of um, exciting and great things that happen in the private sector, the public sector, you know, or was termed the, the government sector provides all kinds of important things to our economy and to our communities, as does the nonprofit or the social change sector. All three sectors are critically important. And when we start to value one over the other in our norms and the ways we talk about things um, and in the ways we invest, we really start to skew that, um, what, what should otherwise be sort of this three-legged stool where all three sectors are working together to create solutions, to create strong economies, strong communities, et cetera. So like you, I'm a big proponent of, of driving change in organizations to help them reach new heights. But it, just like you, I recognize that we can't do that until we recognize the issue throughout the organization. So many leaders listening to the podcast may understand the scarcity mindset. How do you recommend leaders bring it to their boards and have mm -hmm. this conversation around how do we recognize and get our arms around the ways in which this mindset may be holding us back? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this is a big thing I talk about in my book is first, you have to start with yourself as, as a leader of the organization. And, and I often talk with my um, nonprofit coaching clients about how they as leader of the organization are the most important asset or resource in the organization, because if they're not successful, if they're not healthy, if they're not functioning well, then everything else is sort of lost, right? The board's not going to function well, the staff's not going to, et cetera. So you have to start with you as leader and you have to fully embrace this idea of abundance. And I think that itself is a critical first step and sometimes challenging because as a nonprofit leader, you've been so buried yes. under these you know, ideas of scarcity. It, 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 I, you know, I don't fault nonprofit leaders at all for, for being part of that scarcity mindset. So the first step is to crawl out from under that, recognize it, as you've said, recognize it, and then start to move forward in lots of, lots of uh, different ways. Once you are there, once you are fully embracing abundance, then start to bring those conversations up 
you know, with the board. And so I, uh, e even in the book, one um, tool I have is the word yet, using the word yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, often you'll be in a boardroom with your, you know, nonprofit board and, and someone will raise a concern or a challenge or, you know, a scarcity mindset, like, you know, we don't know how to fundraise well. And if you just attach the word yet to that, it opens this whole world of opportunity, this whole abundance of ways you could address that and move forward from that. So the idea, we don't know how to fundraise well yet, means, okay, then let's talk about how we could learn to fundraise better or how we could you know, switch how money works in our organization, how we could reach out to others who do know more, or how we could begin to build our network or how we could start to use money differently or how we could start to invest in pieces of our organization, the fundraising infrastructure and things like that. That tiny little word yet can start to be that bridge from scarcity to abundance. And so I, I counsel nonprofit leaders, again, once you know, you're in the place of abundance where you really buy into it, then start to have those kinds of conversations with your board, start to insert the word yet and, and, and do some other things that are gonna open the possibility to others, board and staff and funders, that there's so much more that we could do that we could move beyond scarcity into abundance. I love that. The power of the word yet. And as you said, this three-letter word, right? It has yeah. the possibility to transform conversations, transform actions, and, and, and the trajectory of an organization. Absolutely. When we think about, let's flip the switch now over. So we've talked about what scarcity land looks like, right? Mm -hmm. We've described it. We, we own it now. Um, what is the abundance? When we talk about mm -hmm. um, that place of abundance that we want to move to mm -hmm. as a sector, Let's name and describe that for listeners as well. Absolutely. So to me, it's an incredibly exciting land to be in. It's, it's, if you think about it as a nonprofit leader, it's the land that you started your organization in. It's the land, maybe you didn't start your organization, but you took your position because you saw so much possibility, right? Or if, you, if you're a founder of an organization, you know, you saw a problem out there, you saw a gap, but you felt like I have the solution or my organization has the solution or, you know, we have the, the, the ability to fix that problem in some way. And there was excitement, possibility, opportunity there. That's the land of abundance. And when you live there on a, on a regular basis, you are able to attract the money, the people, the board, the resources, the networks, the partners, everything you need to truly realize that vision that you had, you know, maybe so long ago. And so that in essence is the land of abundance. And I know for a lot of nonprofit leaders um, that still are residing in the land of scarcity, that sounds crazy. <laughs> that sounds like a pipe, that sounds like a pipe dream, right? Well, it, it does, it, but it sounds hopeful to me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a lot of what you talked about in terms of possibility, uh, but I think the key point for nonprofit leaders is that it's not pie in the sky. It, it's not unrealistic. It's not overly idealistic because what you just said when you described the land of abundance is we still see the problems, yep. right? We're not just putting blinders on and pretending mm -hmm. everything is perfect and, and we have all the answers. We still see the questions. We still see the problems. What we're doing, though, is changing our mindset to the fact that the answers are within our reach. The answers are within our grasp. That's right. And, and the key part of be, living in the land of abundance is, as you've said, you still see the problems, you still, still see what those challenges are and what you want to solve or fix. 
but you believe fundamentally that there are solutions out there and that you are not alone. So often nonprofit leaders uh, that I have witnessed, you know, are, are so isolated. They feel so alone. You know, they have so many burdens that they're carrying by themselves. And that is, in essence, the scarcity mindset as well. But when you when you move to the, the idea of abundance, you start to look out your windows and you start to say, hey, I could connect with maybe that potential organization or this person or this, this entity, or maybe there's a funding source here, or maybe there's this, all of those possibilities, again, that idea of yet comes into play. Um, and, and that's where your energy comes from. That's where solutions come from. That's where really everything you need to accomplish your goals comes from. And, and I think that it's, you know, for those who are listening right now, you know, you've got me. I want to live in that land of abundance, (laughs) but it's important to realize that it's not, as I described it, it's not just flipping a switch. It's not one day I have a scarcity mindset and the next I have an abundance mindset. There are going to be peaks and valleys. There are going to be times where we kind of crisscross back and forth for leaders who are looking to take those first steps. What what do you recommend? Well, so selfishly, I would (laughs) recommend that they get my book. Uh (laughs) But, um, but uh, truly, it's the first step is to think that abundance is even possible. So I think so often, you know, and again, nonprofit leaders I talk to, or when I start coaching a new nonprofit leader, they are so stuck in that scarcity mindset, that even the possibility of something different, the possibility of abundance, they sort of scoff at or dismiss. So if you can just start there and just say, okay, for today, I'm not going to dismiss the idea of abundance. For today, I'm just going to crack the door a little bit on the possibility that there could be more out there, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't always have to be this way. I don't always have to be this stuck. And once you can start to crack that door, then I would say the second most important step is start to ask for help. Because again, as nonprofit leaders stuck in scarcity, we feel like it's all up to us. The burden is, is, is fully on, on us. And that's really a self-defeating cycle. Right. And so if you can start to ask for help, some of your staff members, a board member, a volunteer, your funders, if you can start to be open to the possibility that maybe help is out there and you start to voice what it is that you need, a remarkable thing starts to happen the universe starts to respond. And so you start to see these little trickles of the abundance that is out there. And that starts to help create this sort of momentum of, oh, maybe abundance actually is possible. And then you start to move a little bit more through that doorway. Um, So it's really, as you said, yeah, it's not gonna be overnight. It's this kind of process where you start to test and start to believe that, yeah, abundance actually is out there. And maybe I could do things differently to attract it. And then before we wrap up, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, someone listening is just one person and they may be part of a larger staff and they may want to make that mindset shift to abundance. How does someone bring the topic up to the organization? How do you kind of spread that abundance mindset beyond just one person or one department so that it becomes part of the culture of the organization? Yeah. So I think the answer is really, again, starting with yourself. And so when, when you start to move through that doorway, when you start to believe it, then even the way you talk about things, you'll notice starts to shift. So whereas, you know, several days ago, talking about money or fundraising was sort of depressing and sort of, you know, 
um, you lost energy around it and just kind of felt defeated by it. When you start to move towards abundance, the way you talk about fundraising, hey guys, maybe we could do this, or what do you guys think about this? Or what about this option? Just the way that you talk about things holds more opportunity, um, holds more possibility. And that shift kind of changes the, the energy in the room. I've seen this happen so many times in board, board meetings. When one person sort of talks about something in a different way, starts to have more energy around something, mm -hmm. people start to move in that direction as well. So there's this sort of domino effect, I think, in a positive way that happens even when just one person starts to move towards abundance. Well, Nell, I appreciate you joining us today. For those who want to get more information, because you have given us some really good nuggets to begin that process, but certainly we don't have enough time to walk through all of the specifics. For those who want more, tell us a little bit more about your book, where mm -hmm. and when they might be able to get it. Absolutely. So again, the book is called Reinventing Social Change. Um, it will be available for pre-order on all the places books are sold, Amazon, um, you know, uh, Barnes and Noble, et cetera. Um, it should be available for pre-order uh, next week, which is mid-January, mid probably January 15th. It should be available for pre-order and then um, actually available and on shelves um, February 9th. Um, and you can always find out more information on my website of exactly dates and all of that and, and links to buy um, at socialvelocity.net. Excellent. So Nell, as we wrap up, I'm going to take away several things from this conversation. I'm going to take away the power of the word yet. I'm, I'm, I really like that. Um, and then um, the grace of moving from scarcity to abundance being a day-by-day -day practice, a day-by-day -day intentionality. Um, anything else you'd want to leave our listeners with? Takeaways? Just the idea that it's possible. I think just, you know, kind of opening your brain a little bit to that, as I said, opening the door to the possibility of abundance is an enormous first step. Excellent. Well, Nell, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I hope you and your family have a happy and healthy 2021 as well. And to those who are listening out there, I hope you have a safe, happy and healthy 2021. Hope you continue tuning into the podcast, continue sharing your thoughts and ideas. I love receiving your emails um, with topic ideas and guest ideas. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Nell, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Have a great one and stay safe, everyone.